This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Noom uses the latest in proven behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good. Noom builds personal plans that can meet an individual's needs, takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching, their platform has helped millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. I think a lot of intelligence has gone into the whole Noom system. They really think about how humans live, how they think, what their psychology is, and it's all been used to help people control their weight. So stay focused on what's important to you with the Noom psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's Noom, N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen for 100 Healthy and Delicious Recipes to Promote Better. Living available to buy now wherever books are sold. Hi, my name is Eric Andre. I am Conan O'Brien's friend, and I feel titillated by that. <laughs> Goosebumps. My areolas are rock hard. If I had a heavy sweater on a hanger, could I hang it on one of your areoli? <laughs> yes, you can. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell. Shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hello and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. What you're hearing now is, I think, our third or fourth attempt (laughs) to start the show. I won't get into what happened, but we just kept stumbling and bumbling. And we? Well, first of all, Sona, okay, not you, Matt, okay, not you. But uh, we try to take where Sona went down a weird road. We had to quickly stop it. Yeah. Um, then uh, I had a small, I'm just going to say it was an aneurysm. Yeah. Um, treatable. Treatable if there's emergency surgery very quickly. Whatever. Usually, I swear to God, we start this show and we just go, baby. And what you hear is what you get. Wait. That doesn't make sense, because if you you heard it, you already got it. Start again. No, we're not starting again. We're going (laughs) to plow ahead. People need to know, if nothing else, we're honest. So we've never, ever had three attempts to get atop of a show. No. And today we did. And I'm saying, because there are a lot of people out there that think, how does Conan do it? This is incredible. He must be juicing. Oh my God. What kind of mind is it? Is Can we get a CAT scan or an MRI? Can we see what this Never. mind looks like? You know, whatever. All the Never stuff they did with that. Einstein, you know, can Never we study this? That. What I'm saying is 
that I'm trying to be open with you and say, yes, even I, even I, and if I can make a mistake, it's okay that you make a lot of them too, people. Is that endearing me to my crowd? What do you think? Um, I don't know. I feel like you lost it when you compared yourself to Einstein. Well, there are similarities. Oh, are there? Yes. I also, uh, I also have had some of my best ideas while working in a patent office, staring at a clock tower. In a small German town. That's what he did. He just worked in a patent office and stared at a clock that was in the center of town. And that's how he thought up relativity and all those other, you know, that's where he had his A-bomb idea. Conan, he did not have the A-bomb idea. Um, My point is- What is happening? I don't know. Is that even even true for reals? Yes. The bad Einstein staring at a clock? I've been there. No, you haven't. Yeah, you, where's the town? Is it Ulm? Ulm? It's in Bern, Switzerland. Bern, Switzerland. That's right. That's right. He was in Bern, Switzerland, Einstein, and he was working in a patent office, I believe, at a kind of a humdrum job. Yeah. And there's a that's little- a museum you can go to now. Yeah. And there's a clock in the center of town, and he would stare at that clock, and that's where he started to hatch his early theory of relativity. I think he, he was on a little- train or a trolley moving away from the clock. And that's how he got the idea. He was either moving towards it or away. And that's how he got the idea for relativity and speed and all that. You know what? You know that there's something else to this story that's missing, (laughs) that if you could go back, Einstein was, you know, loved to pretend to be humble, but you notice how he took all the credit like yeah, I, was, kid, but- I was just on the train and it was moving and I saw the clock tower and, it, and then I thought of, and you know that there was a kid or there was like a, a ticket taker who came by and was like, you know, I need to take your tickets. I need to take your tickets. Oh, look at the clock. Everything's relative. <laughs> <laughs> right? And Einstein was probably like, I'm trying to sleep. No, but you see how the it's going and it's just like, do you think maybe there's a speed at which time would slow down? And Einstein was like, oh, fuck it. He's always talking about speed slowing down when we get faster from the clock. I'm just something, I'm, I'm just a humble ticket taker. But if, any, if that idea comes of any use to you, young patent man, uh, maybe you could include my name. He knew his uh, what's job. your name? My name is Hasselhofer. <laughs> Okay, sure, I'll include you later. Incredible, Einstein. Did this idea come to you and you alone? Yes, it did. Oh, man. Cut to Hesselhofer, who by that point has lost his job at the train station. He's wandering the streets of Switzerland alone with his broken cuckoo clock, <laughs> looking for a place to get some soup. And he's reading, and he passes a newspaper. Einstein thinks up relativity all by himself. Right? Fucking Einstein. What a dick. I hate Einstein. No, but what I'm saying is you know that someone else, these stories, these stories, there's always something else. Yeah. So, yes. You were there, right? Weren't you, Matt? You saw the clock tower. He didn't think of that himself. Definitely there was someone else. The museum is a patent office. Is that fun? Well, we went up to the door and didn't go in. What? Because it's like a (laughs) tiny little building and it felt cramped. I think I remember it being oddly expensive for what you're about to get. Wait a minute. You went yeah. to, you were standing outside the patent office, the little office where Einstein thought up relativity and you, all it took was for you to hand them a, a piece of dark chocolate and you could have gone and looked no. at the actual room where the single biggest idea since Newton had his theory of gravity and you didn't go in? No. Or you could see in it from the doorway. Oh, you cheapskate. (laughs) I could see in it from the doorway. 
What a cheapskate. You used to work at Disneyland. What if I said, oh yeah, when I'm on the freeway and you get nearby, you can kind of see what's going on in there. I'd understand. I didn't go by. Say, yeah, bless you, brother. I understand. I've driven by, oh, I was, we took off LAX and we banked and I could sort of see Disneyland off in the distance. Yeah, I got the idea. You don't have to go. And and also, I just want to see the room where clearly Einstein was goofing off. What was he? What do you mean goofing off? He was not doing his patent work. Oh. Sona, there's a lot of times at the office where you sit outside my office and you you could be thinking up a theory equivalent to relativity or something yeah, like that. I am. And instead, you're watching sometimes porn at work. Well, Jeez. well, in my defense, first of all, my computer doesn't face anyone else, so I can watch whatever I want. And second, I just think that, like, you don't know what I'm doing. What's the dirtiest thing you've looked at at work? Uh, you really want to know? Do you yeah. really want to know? Okay, yeah, so know my, uh, you know, every once in a while, when especially when we go to Comic-Con, sometimes we think of and learn these new sexual acts. So uh, not that this what? is new, but- What does that have to do with Comic-Con? What do you mean? We're off to, you know, we're off to a comic book convention. So, of yeah. course, that- Introduces the concept of sexual acts, perverse sexual acts. What do you, how do those two connect? We all sit around in the audience during when you're rehearsing and we'll be like, hey, does anybody know about padlocking? And then that's how we like look into it. But one of our favorite videos, and I'm saying our because a couple other people from the office came and watched it was a, a, a like a, you know, maybe a, it was like a fisting video. <laughs> oh my God. Did you watch that on the work computer? I did. Yes. Oh, oh I, no. I hope HR was, doesn't find out. Like, anyone cares at our office. Was I at work when this was happening? Yeah, you were in your you office. You were in the video. <laughs> <laughs> Unwillingly. I didn't know. It was a prank fisting video. Uh, it was a- <laughs> I didn't know was there, you could make a prank show like that. And I was... Uh, what happened to Candid Camera? Those were such... That was such innocent fun. God. Uh, but uh, no, was I was I nearby when this was shown? Because I don't look at that. I'm not going to look at that. Don't no, you don't look at it. But don't you don't you never hear people like around my office congregating. They'll be like, "Oh my god!" I thought you were watching me at rehearsal. I'm like, "Oh my god, he's quick." Oh, that was a good edit. Oh my god, that was a deep, deep, deep thought he just had. You think we all get around and watch rehearsal and like cheer you on? I just yeah, you're watching no. a maestro at the height of his game. Nobody when you guys were cares. shrieking and saying that is so amazing, I can't believe that just happened. I thought you were talking about rehearsal, not a fist going into another person's orifice. <laughs> oh, come on. Well, anyway, say it like my that. My point is to bring it all back is that if fisting videos had been available, <laughs> In that patent office, we wouldn't have the theory of relativity, right? I think we should have gone with take two. (laughs) We'll never know. Well, many disturbing thoughts. A lot to chew. (laughs) I was going to say a lot to chew on, but I don't want to. Uh, Oh, come on. Let's move along. My guest today, uh, good Lord, very funny comedian and host of the Eric Andre show on Adult Swim. His hilarious movie, Bad Trip, is now streaming on Netflix, and uh, it's a delight. It really is. Eric Andre, welcome. 
I'm literally sweating because my kitchen is hot and my, my girlfriend is making sausages. You're mopping yourself right now. I'm going to describe the action for those viewers who can't uh, see because it's a podcast. Eric Andre mopping his forehead with an overly large white towel. Mopping, mopping. I'm, I'm turning on the AC. You see, I'm turning on my air conditioning. Now, where this, are this you? Is where, this is where J.J. Abrams succeeded and I failed. Uh, well, okay. He let's, the AC. I have all my windows open. I'm not going to close each one. We gave you a lot of credit because two people have been technically proficient at setting up their Zoom so far during the pandemic. J.J. Abrams holds the crown, but you were very good at getting on your computer and handling everything very quickly with an eerie expertise. I will tell you this. I felt guilty. I'm going to peel back the curtain for the for the viewership. I went a little late, seven minutes late. I don't like being late, and I'm always late. I live in a constant state of agony. Existence is punishment for me. So I had to eat, and I asked Conan, one of my heroes, if I could eat. He very politely. He's no Wolf Blitzer. He said yes. <laughs> Thank you. By the way, let's just get it out there. Wolf Blitzer, uh, an insane Caligula-like madman. <laughs> Monster. 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 But Animal. you came on and you was, we were scheduled to start at 11. You came on right on time and you were stuffing noodles into your face out of a bowl. And you said, Disgusting. I just haven't had a chance to eat. I've never seen someone put so many noodles in their mouth. And I'm I said, pig. chill. It's just a podcast. Yes. But Relax. I don't know. I, I... Go and eat your food. You're a big deal. You've got a huge, massive movies hit right now. You have the time to go and eat your noodles and we will wait for you. I thought you were going to say huge, massive areolas right now. I'll be honest with you. Both are true. I have spread out sand dollar pancakes on each of my man. I have seen you shirtless, and it's a, it's a fuck. It's a nightmare. it's insane looking. It looks like it's two. Insane. They look like spaceships. They look like UFOs <laughs> side by side that are floating on your chest. Massive you know, UFOs. Ed, Ed Wood used my nipples in Plan Nine for yes. outer space. Yeah, yeah, he did. Not little fun fact for the for the real. Cinephiles out there listening. <laughs> you look handsome. I like your glasses. I love Thank you. I love everything going on. I like you got a um prairie home companion kind of <laughs> I do. going on. You know, it's a chilly day here in Los Angeles, which means it's 85. And Oof. I'm wearing uh I'm dressed like a lumberjack today. I'm wearing a sweat a t-shirt, a sweater, and then I'm wearing a lumberjack shirt over that. And those are layers of masculinity that I've added to myself. <laughs> that I inherently don't have. Um, Eric, I am so happy for you because I have been a fan of yours for a long time. We've worked together. You've done very many hilarious things on my show over the years. Uh, you've done some of the best entrances uh, of any... <laughs> anytime you. you come on my show, Eric, you always insist, I can't just come out. We can't just say, ladies and gentlemen, it's Eric Andre and you come walking out. That can't happen. You always have to come out in an insane way. Yes. And it always has to be bigger and bigger and bigger every time, culminating in you dropping from the ceiling. No, that way. was Zach Galifianakis. I think I begged for that to happen. No, no, no. You you were asking for it. You asked for it. But you did something else that were that I, where I thought you were injured when you came out. And I'm trying to remember what it was. I popped with well, two things. Once I did get injured, I popped out of the couch one time. And one time I came out of a pinata. Yes, that's it. But I, I came, I, I meditated in your like writer's room, like right before I came out. And I, I don't think I told your AD that I was going to meditate. And I came out of the meditation to this frantic PA like, you're late, you're late for the pinata. We got to stuff you in the pinata, sir. And I was like, oh, 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 sorry. I ran downstairs. 
you guys stuffed me in the pinata and the art department was so frantic. They were hot gluing me into this pinata <laughs> and a little drip of hot glue came down and went and like, I didn't uh, know, it was it was pure darkness in there. Yeah. So I didn't know what it was and it felt cool. It was so hot that it felt cool at first. And I was like, that's a nice little cool, refreshing drop. They just, ah! And I was like, I couldn't scream either because you didn't, it was a reveal. You were going <laughs> to, the, the setup for the bit was, it's National Pinata Day. Yes, yes, there we go, there we go. It's just the, it's just the laziest setup. <laughs> hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I, and I say that as the as a high compliment because for the Eric Andre Show, we pride ourselves on the like laziest end of the day writing, like when it's like 5.45 p.m. and all the writers <laughs> are just like rubbing their temples, like, please, Eric, can we go home? Like those ideas are always the best. That's what yes. we come up with our dumbest ideas. So Tommy Blotcha is a writer that we have shared, and he told us very early on in the Eric Andre show, and he looked around, and we're like, we're way in our head about everything, and he goes, if you overthink, you overstink. <laughs> and... I have taken that that mantra. Well, you know where he got that. Room. You know where he got that. Where that was my rule at the show. I used to say to the writers, and it's not you. You overstink. I would say, remember when you overthink, you start to stink because it was such a stupid thing to do. And I always would say it like I was Yoda, and this was the greatest wisdom they would ever get. Ah, uh, uh, it, it it really is though. It oh. really, really is because there's nothing like a joke that comes from like the smartest people you know and the smartest group of comedians and writers you know and forcing them to think like a third grader. Like yeah. there's some magic in that highbrow, lowbrow like joke writing that, I don't know, it just like works on all levels. So thank you for being Yoda to Tommy and thank you for- When you Tommy overthink, your mantra. you start to stink. And uh, shout out to Tommy Blacha, one of the most uh, talented uh, comedy writers uh, I've ever worked with. Really brilliant guy. Yes. Um, so and- wait, to end the story. Oh, that is the end of the story. So the, <laughs> the glue burned me and then I burst out of the pinata, but I just, that is a high compliment that the setup was National Pinata Day. <laughs> but I love that, so I dumb, love that so. this is this is the Tip profession you and I work in. I say, oh, you had some great entrances. And I said, you fell from the ceiling once and you went, no, that was Zach Galifianakis. I burst out of a pinata and I'm thinking, what else, what stupid jobs we have that we're, you're not correcting me on no doctor. You use the carotid clamp before you uh, worked on the, on the aorta. We're talking, <laughs> you're saying, no, 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 no. It was, it was Zach Galifianakis who fell from the ceiling. Yes. I popped out of a pinata. Okay, I guess I'm an idiot then. (laughs) I will say the reason I know that is because I was so envious of Zach for coming up with that. Like, because I think that was like the very first time I did press and late night. And I I fantasized about falling from the ceiling on your show for years. And I finally have my own TV show and I get to get on your show. And he did that like a week before I came on, like, Right. Plucked it out of the ether, like right in front of me. So I'm, I'm always green with envy of um, Zach for coming. He did it just person. to spite you. You know that. <laughs> I got my, he got my head like the Minority Report, that Tom Cruise movie. He was like, yeah, moving holograms around. I have to say, Eric. Okay, this is something I want to say in all sincerity before we just evolve into complete idiocy. But I wanted to thank you for your movie Bad Trip because. I'm thanking you because you did something that speaks to me, 
which is you you made this comedy confection which is filled with just delightful silliness, really intelligent silliness, but also silly and foolish silliness all mixed together. And it's uh, made me like humans more because I thought when it was over, I loved that it wasn't, you weren't ridiculing other people and almost everybody who is, quote, the victim in one of these pranks, you see them at their best, they're helping, they're stepping in, their reactions are real, and then you let them in on the joke at the end and everyone's hugging. And I thought that we need more of what this is. We just need more of this. This just was the perfect movie for me right now at the end of a year-long pandemic and just all the bullshit we've all been through. And I, I, I think everyone's having that reaction. Thank you, man. Well, that is high praise. And yeah, we pulled off like the greatest magic trick of all time doing that. I think, um, yeah, I hope the movie heals America. <laughs> I feel like- Oh, you I went like- too far. Now you, <laughs> you went too far. No, you know, there, there hasn't been one case of COVID or cancer since the movie came out. There's actually, no one's died. No, there have been no deaths in the world since Bad uh, Trip came out. But Good. no, it really is like, I'm not even, I, I, I had a feeling of just- I watched it. My wife and I were howling and uh, <laughs> laughing really hard. And then I just, I just felt good. And I, and it, and it kind of underscored. Uh, I keep going back to this, but Charles Barkley, not too long ago, there's a, he had this quote where he just said, "You know what? Most people are good. We have a media and a system." And I'm not talking about just Fox. I'm talking about Fox and CNN and MSNBC, everybody. And social, social media. media they like to find the fault lines and drive right. a wedge into it because, unfortunately, that's where the money is. That's how you right. make money. in. And this was not doing that. And it's hilarious. And I thought, everyone pay attention to this. This is right. it's, it's very hard to pull off and not everyone can do it. But this is the kind of comedy that speaks to me right now. My my first thing was like, okay, I'm so excited to get to talk to Eric, but mostly I just want to thank him <laughs> up top. Thanks, man. It's a That's nice thing praise. you did. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, we pulled off a miracle. I think that the best quote, we showed a very like early rough cut to Sasha Baron Cohen mm-hmm. uh, in his house. He like invited me and my director, my producer over because we were like struggling with certain parts of the movie, getting it on its feet. And right when the movie finished, he turned to us and he goes, you know, I can't really do his accent, but he's he's from he's from England. Uh, yeah. He goes, you know, you know, pass me some Earl, Earl Grey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do his accent. He goes, he, goes, he, goes, my, he goes, my movies set out to like expose the hypocrisy and evil of rich white oligarchs. He goes, your movie is exposing the beauty and the humanity of the working class and people of color. It's like not polarized. It's showing like American unity. Um, And I think, I think what happens with the media is that they, you know, we, we like, they monetize clickbait and clickbait is like fear mongering and, and getting people riled up. And, and and there's not a news story out there that goes, Hey, um, somebody in St. Louis was nice to somebody else. Like that's Mm -hmm. not a news story. Um, we just, um, put a, a microphone up to like the kind of worst parts of America, not the best parts of America. So we pulled off a miracle and it took us a while to get there. It was like, uh, I've been working on the movie for seven and a half years and uh, it took us a while to get there, but we realized 
Eric Andre's show is 11 minutes long. Right. It's a different medium. My persona on the Eric Andre show, which is like late night adult swim, mm -hmm. anarchic, you know, uh, psychedelic comedy, that guy can be as psychotic and antagonistic and absurd and surreal as he wants to be during a prank right. because you're right. only hanging out with him for 11 minutes. The guy in the, the character in the movie to get across 90 minutes of footage, uh, you have to sympathize with the character's plight. Mm -hmm. We realized early on my character had to be this Chris Farley-esque, unintentionally destructive, like gentle, like golden retriever, like yes. I mean well, but everything I touch turns to shit because I'm just chasing a tennis ball all around, you know. What I thought was really nice to set up is that you're you're in love. You see the actress who plays your love interest. Yes, Michaela Conlon. You see her and you you look like a dog that's just seen an ice cream cone uh, on a hot day. And you just, you have this look of wonder and astonishment. And then looking at people's real reactions to your cartoonish, frankly, you know, I've never seen anyone fall in love in such an absurd, it's certainly cartoonish way in real life and pull it off because you really commit to it. And you see this woman and you're just like, oh, oh, and it's so angelic and sweet. And you're, you're you're a hobo seeing a pie cooling on a windowsill, you know, that you can grab. It's just ridiculous. Right. And people reacting to it. But I think that's the motivation. And all, that's all the motivation you need. It's so pure and you can all connect to it. So I think that's what helps the movie so much is that right. you're in love and you're right. taking a chance on finding the love of your life. And that's a very relatable and sweet story automatically. And then you can do the most horrible things along the way. <laughs> so where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there, California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching, you can go hiking in Yosemite, and then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want, they got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. You know, it's only a matter of time until your check engine light comes on, which could equal an expensive repair bill, and a new engine can cost up to $6,000. Don't I know it. But this is why you need this product I'm about to mention right now. Okay. CarShield. Mm. CarShield offers plans with low monthly rates that you can pay for your expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. It's so nice to have that protection of CarShield. I know. I believe. That's my belief. Some people have other beliefs, maybe religious beliefs. I think CarShield, CarShield plans 
provide protection <laughs> on up to 5,000 major parts and systems, including items like transmission, mm. engine, even your entertainment system. Mm. Just call CarShield and choose the mechanic to do the work. CarShield administrators will handle the rest and save you money. Look, I saw your car today. You've got a beautiful car, but you've got to haul your family around in this yeah. car. This is a vital piece of machinery for you. You need Car Shield. I do. And you know, I you know I don't take care of my cars very well. So Car Shield it would definitely come in. You know, and also with their A rating from the BBB, don't ask me, Car Shield is the name you can trust to save you money on covered auto repairs. Now's the time to make the smart choice and protect yourself from the sky high auto repair bills. Visit carshield.com slash Conan. Save 20% today. Again, that's carshield.com slash Conan to save 20%. Visit carshield.com slash Conan to lock in your price today. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. This is unbelievable. I've been talking about this idea for years. I know. I want you to explain it more. I can. Okay. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required access from anywhere. I had this idea years ago. <laughs> I was telling people no one listened to me. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems. Remember when I said that? Yeah. Because you've got one unified, unified business, business management, management suite. suite. You yes. said that. Yeah. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, man. Yeah. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Conan, netsuite.com slash Conan. I'm going to say it one more time just for emphasis, netsuite.com. Slash Conan. Back to what I was saying before, the pranks had to be sympathetic. I, I had to be sympathetic, so like the pranks had to be help me, help me pranks. And because I was sympathetic and I had to be in peril in the pranks, it showed the humanity out of the people we were pranking instead of right. like you know, punching down or antagonizing them or making them look dumb or, you know, there was no like gotcha kind of pranks, you know. So. Well, I also thought there's so much intelligence behind it. And just as someone who may, tries to make comedy, I was watching it thinking, oh, I love this. I love how much thought went into this. But what I really appreciate at the end of the day was this is just a nice story too. Mm -hmm. That's a really mm -hmm. sweet story. And that's a story I want to kind of watch again. And I felt so much better after I watched it. That, that to me is uh, the beauty of, of, of what can be done. I, I kind of started to go down this road of, are people going to want to, because this has been a huge success for you and I'm very happy, but what if, what if people just <laughs> aren't content to watch a conventional movie ever again? Because <laughs> it's so much fun. Like, you know, what you, this hybrid, this idea that, okay, let's take some of the anarchy that comes out of a really good prank and reality camera sort of, um, re, you know, cutting around and documentary style, guerrilla style. Uh, but let's also choose our moments to really shoot it in a, in a, in a, with a good cinematographer and, and with good lighting and, and stitch it together as a story as well. And I thought, oh my God, what if, what if actors all go out of work forever? <laughs> what if you've just destroyed movies and acting? I know. That's what you've done. 
<laughs> I know. I, I think I was talking to Michaela, who plays Maria in the movie, about yeah. it. And, and, and I think we had a moment where she, she said something like, should we be worried that these like everyday people that we're pranking in the movie are way more charismatic than any actor or comedian we've ever met? Like mm-hmm. they have way more personality and charisma and they're like like plumbers and train conductors oh, and yeah. booth operators and like they're just like so much more fascinating and have so much more depth than uh us. But um yeah, I don't know. I uh Jeff Tremaine was our mentor throughout this process. He uh, directed all the Jackass movies. He co-created Jackass and, and he, he directed Bad Grandpa. Mm-hmm. Um, him, him, Johnny Knoxville and, and Spike Jones have been working together for 20 plus years and have made half a billion dollars for Paramount. So he was our, he was our Papa Bear throughout the whole process. And he kept, when we first started pitching him ideas, me and the guy that directs my show, Kitao, and my writing partner, Dan Curry, we kept pitching him just joke based. Yes. And he kept going, yeah, you need a story. That's not going to sustain for 90 minutes. I was like, yeah, you need a story. You blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. Listen, buddy, I'm on an adult swim for 11 minutes at night <laughs> at four in the morning. <laughs> I, I think I know a thing or two about a thing or two. And he's like, <laughs> he goes, I'm telling you, you need a yeah. story and it's got to have heart. And it took him years to just slap us and throw cold water in our face until we realized and we were like even filming we were like film go out and film pranks trying to stitch them together they weren't working rewriting the story like putting more and more story and then like slowly but surely we saw all we had some killer pranks that were totally off story and they just went away and we realized the pranks that are on story are so much richer, even when they're really simplistic. Like one of the pranks that I love best in the movie is when Tiffany Haddish's character, you know, she's the villain. She finally Mm -hmm. catches up to us in um, this like little chicken wing spot. And she has a flyer with our face on it. She's like, have you seen these guys? They stole my car. I know they're close. And then she leaves. And then me and Rel walk in and everybody in the restaurant's like, oh, that's them. That's them. That's the guys on the flyer. They stole the pink car. There it is. And then we're, and then he starts panicking and he leaves. It's like such a simplistic prank. There's no gorilla butt fucking me. There's no explosions. <laughs> There's no pyrotechnics. You know, I'm coming from just like, I want everything to just be a giant explosion every five seconds and Jeff was like we have to we have to have this scene it's like so on story we and uh it became one of the richest and at the same time most minimalist pranks in the whole movie but the people we were pranking were so on the hook and so invested in the story in the narrative within the movie that they just came to life and we just lucked out with some of the most charismatic well you know what's uh, really fantastic is it's also just a study in humanity and 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 not uh, and and I think humanity comes out pretty well but for anyone who who hasn't seen the movie and I, I think a lot of people listening will have seen it uh, but if you don't know what we're talking about, it's this idea of these people are just there, they're eating their food, they're innocent, they don't know that they're in a movie. Uh, and so Tiffany Haddish comes in and says, have you seen these guys? They stole my car, shows your pictures, gets everyone all wound up, then leaves. 
Minutes later, you guys come in. <laughs> in a pink and, car. With and, a pink and, car. In a, car up. in a pink car that's clearly the one that she described. <laughs> and they're all activated. And then you see them trying to figure out, trying to make the right moral choice. Like, who do right. we ally with? We don't want to snitch on these guys. But mm-hmm. And then there's this one woman who gets very invested. And then mm-hmm. you guys leave. And then Tiffany Haddish comes back in. And she's like, they were just here. And she has mm-hmm. a friend who's saying, you're saying too much. Don't get too involved. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I guess what was so beautiful beautiful about it is that I liked everyone was trying to do the right thing. Do you know what I mean? And I think that I take that thread, just, we spend so much time talking, especially in the last four or five years about how sick our country is and how sick we are. And there's a lot of self-loathing and and certainly we have our share of problems. And I would say America and and humans have always had their share of problems. And I, I think this country is always a work in progress and we always need to do better. I think that's all perfectly true, but we get hammered so much. And throughout this film, I just kept seeing people for the most part being incredibly patient. You're acting, you know, more you than Rel. You're (laughs) acting like a complete fool and you're really, you're practically vomiting on people and you're putting people's lives in danger and people are still trying to help you. And they're trying to... steer you onto the right path. Yeah. And I loved that because I thought that that's my experience with humans is, ah, I don't know, 70% are pretty good. And then, yeah. you know, that's, that's not bad. Like yeah. maybe it's 70, may, but this, I think uh, that really came across in the film is I couldn't believe how patient people were with you. Yeah, For the most part, you, there is a scene where you and Rel are connected this is that old comedy trope of two men's penises being attached uh, <laughs> with a, the Chinese finger trap. Anyway, you know, we've all seen it. The Marx Brothers did it. Abbott Fields did it. Abbott and Costello were attached for years uh, by the cock. But, uh, but, but I just love that, like, there's one scene where I felt there was a moment where I felt real jeopardy when you guys went into a barber shop mm. to ask for help because your penises were attached. And I thought yeah. you could have gotten killed. What do you think? Um, definitely could have gotten killed. He, the guy that we pranked confirmed that um, he was going to kill us. Um, Afterwards. And that was, yeah, he, well, I'll tell, I'll tell it from the top. So if, for, for anybody, you know, that hasn't seen the movie, um, <laughs> me and Reller, you know, we do this prank in the hood where we're, we're connected. Uh, our, our penises get stuck in a Chinese finger trap and we can't get out. So we run into this like hood ass barbershop and this dude, we go, excuse me, sir, can you cut us out of this uh, Chinese finger trap? And this guy just exploded into a murder rage because all he saw in his establishment, he's a small business owner, were two eccentric perverts yep. just Cirque de Soleil their cocks back and forth <laughs> in a Chinese finger trap. He didn't know what, I don't even think he heard what we said. I think he just saw, where, where, where. And we also like revealed it to him weird. You couldn't get, co- we didn't have good coverage of it, but like we like, like, here's our cocks, and I went, like, excuse me, sir, and I took my hand. And, like, like a magician. Was, like, like a, a magician. magician. Like a magician saying, it looks like one cock, but no, sir, it is two. Yes. And that man <laughs> that's was our- not in the mood for any magic. So he started looking around, like, grabbing at his backpack, and he was going, oh, hell no, oh, hell no. Pulled out a knife, 
chased us out with a knife. That was Rel's first day of shooting. Yes, yeah. Not the movie, not just the movie, but a hidden camera prank. That was the first hidden camera prank he had ever filmed. And he, and he quit the movie. Yes. And, he, and, he told me this, by the way. He, I talked to him last week, and he yes. told me he was horrified. He did that prank, and he said, I quit. I just quit after that. Yeah. I quit the movie. And you keep telling the story, because I, I, I've heard his side of it. But he said he quit, and then he called a friend to, compl- to like, vent. Yes. So we run out of there. Mm-hmm. The thing, the, the, the prosthetic peen eye trap snaps in half. Rel goes like rolling under a park truck. I'm running for my life. We yell cut. We're like, cut, cut, cut. It's a prank. And the guy on a dime with a knife in his hand goes, oh, y'all are hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Knife in hand. He's like, this is a prank. Oh, you got me good, man. Like putting his knife away. Like that's great. And then he went and then he was like, you know, I usually bring my gun to work, but I just forgot it today. Oh, my God. Lucky. And we were like, oh, and Rel heard that. So Rel walked back. I don't even think he got in the the like our passenger vans. I think he walked back to our hotel. We were in Atlanta with like half of this like fake, like prosthetic rubbery <laughs> dick Chinese finger trap contraction hanging out of his pants. He was so angry. I don't think he re- remembered he had the thing on. He's just like walking through the streets of Atlanta. Just right, like, right. I hate Eric. I hate this movie. I quit. And then, uh, yeah, he called Tiffany just to vent. Tiffany was not cast in the movie, and we had the serendipitous thing happen where the woman who was going to play that role just dropped out because of a scheduling conflict. She was doing a television show. So at that moment, we just started shooting some pranks with just me and Rel while we were looking for uh, a, a replacement for the uh, Trina character. And he, you know, I almost got him murdered. He calls Tiffany Haddish just as a, a friend to vent. He goes... I'm doing this Eric Andre prank movie. He almost got me killed. I want to quit. I hate this shit. And Tiffany just starts dying laughing. They hang, they, they end the call. She calls me and she goes, yo, you almost got Rel killed. And I was embarrassed. I was like, yeah, don't tell anybody. And she goes, nah, fuck that. That shit's hilarious. I live for that prank shit. I want to be in your movie. And I was like, wait, what? That's great. I love it. This is what I found out is that she's in the movie because Rel called her to complain (laughs) <laughs> about how he's not gonna he's gonna walk from this stupid prank movie and that got her to be in it and she's absolutely great by the way she is comedy on a cellular level there is not one medium of comedy that she doesn't do at 110 percent stand up yeah. acting improv hitting camera pranks there was no prank we threw at her there was no scenario that we threw at her that she was like huh what she would just go, got it, and go in and take number one, just knock it out of the park. She is, I, I was like, she's a movie star for a reason. Yeah, it was yeah. one of those, like, she's a star. Like, she was destined to uh, be where she's at. I love, so. there's another thing that I really yeah, love, and this I would have thought, my, my, my comedy brain would have said, this isn't going to work if it had been pitched to me, which is, it looks like you're about to be killed, and you're hanging from a building, <laughs> and- Tiffany's looks like she's going to throw you off the building. Her character's going to kill your character. And people down on the street 
see you about to die. Yep. And then somehow you distribute megaphones to them, to those people, <laughs> so they can shout up advice. Now, I would have said, oh, the minute you start distributing megaphones, people are going to say, why, are, why do you have seven megaphones? Why do you have suddenly have megaphones? And why are you getting us involved? But no, in that moment... People just want to help and they don't question, they, they jump over all that. And so suddenly <laughs> people have megaphones and you guys are kind of coaxing them. You're hanging there about to die saying, well, what else? What else? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And, they're, and they're coming up with whatever they can think of on the fly to say to you. And of course, it's some of the funniest stuff in the movie to me is what these bystanders <laughs> come up with on the fly to save your life. And that it's, shouldn't, it shouldn't work, but it worked beautifully. Yeah, uh, Jeff and I were like at odds. I really wanted to do that prank, Jeff Tremaine and I, and he go, he's like, can we pull that off? Are people gonna buy that? I was like, let, please, let's just go for it. He's like, okay, but that is like insane. And it was like just crazy enough to work. And when the megaphone was like handed over to the people who were pranking, I just made sure to like keep their focus on me. Mm -hmm. So like we had my locations uh, manager dressed as a construction worker. We don't feature him. There's no, yeah. there's no fake reactions. So we don't, we just like see the corner of his shoulder, maybe his hand passing off the megaphone. And I, at that moment went, help! I screamed help as loud as I could so that they're just paying attention to me. I don't know, like mid sentence, whatever I was saying, whether it made sense or not. Um, so that the, the pass off was just cohesive yeah. and they didn't really realize what was going on. And uh, my favorite part of that is actually at the very top, the first woman that grabs the megaphone just assumes I'm guilty. She goes, what the hell did you do to her? <laughs> she doesn't question like, yeah. yep, he is guilty. Like, right. like maybe he's closed. innocent and she's off her meds, you know? Uh, no, none of that. Yeah, no, 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 no. But but it's a fair assumption given <laughs> you just put off an energy of, yeah, you're in the wrong. You You did it. Yes. You most, pe most people, I think everybody in those pranks would take Tiffany's side. Like, yeah, yeah. In the, in the, they're like, yeah, he's guilty. Look at him kind of face. You know what's kind of interesting? Just this is inside baseball stuff, but I've spent 28 years going out and doing remotes, you know, as part of my gig. And it's the part that I like the most. It's also the part that I find the hardest in a way because- I can build up to a point where I can be in front of 60 people acting like a complete fool and I can and I can be that person and do whatever I need to do to get there but an hour before that I'm a quiet cerebral person who's terrified at the thought mm -hmm. of doing the thing that people are pitching to me mm -hmm. and it's very hard to explain to people this is the sense I get with you Eric is that now that you this movie's out People know you from your show, but this movie is such a massive hit. There are people that think you're always that guy. You're mm -hmm. always a guy who can stand at the top of a bar and take a 30-foot fall into uh, some furniture and then get up and start cone vomiting on everybody through a pneumatic <laughs> tube. That is what they think. But I know for a fact that that's your many people – and that you actually have to exist a lot of the time as the opposite of that person in order to get to do that. Is that right? Yeah, I'd say so. I think like I don't film the cloud of anxiety and depression I'm in uh, in the morning before I have to fall 30 feet and uh, into furniture and barf through a cone. That is um, 
that is not in the footage. And you, you know and I mean? you, uh, it's funny because uh, Rel was telling me, oh, you know, um, Eric meditates. He's He'll yeah. be meditating before he goes out and does these things as if, isn't that crazy? And I thought, oh, I completely understand that. Mm-hmm. I completely understand almost having to dig a deep hole and go into a very quiet place before you can be the person who has no fear. Yeah, and I still have the fear and the fear is actually good. The anxiety is actually good. I've been on stage doing stand-up where I didn't give a shit about the show and I didn't have the fear and the anxiety and that culminates in a mediocre set. Mm -hmm. But when I have the fear, that means I want it. And when you want it, you feel that percolating in the scene. So yeah, I meditate and exercise almost every day and I try to journal just to keep as calm as I possibly can because I've always like struggled with anxiety. But I'm also putting myself in very anxiety-provoking situations. I asked the great Tony Randall, and this is in 1993, I said to him, this is going to sound crazy, Mr. Randall, but I feel so bad sometimes before I go out and perform and I don't know why it almost feels necessary. And he just said, but my dear boy, we all have to feel bad in order to feel good. That's what all performers have to do. And he said it like, don't you get it? This is, this is how comedy works. Um, yeah. Now, there are exceptions to that rule. Like I know Jerry Seinfeld, I think he's, he's the same guy. I think he's like, what's the big deal? I'm going to go out and do my, you know, he's, he, and, and, and he can just do it. He can do it. I don't, I'm not knocking him. He's just, I think he's the exception. Like he's able to. He I, does. He did say one of my favorite quotes though, where he goes, it's not show fun. It's show business. Yeah. And it is a struggle and stressful and your discomfort is uh, the audience's pleasure sometimes, especially yeah. shooting hidden camera pranks. While I'm shooting the prank, a lot of the times I'm just thinking the more uncomfortable I am during this, the more comfortable I'll be in the editing bay watching it and going, yes. oh, I'm so glad I took that leap off, you know, the the bar top or whatever and like push through that fear and anxiety. Right. And you want to make sure that's the thing too, is while you're shooting these things uh, for the years and years I've been doing it uh, just in uh, out in the field, it's, I, I want that feeling of, I think we got it. And if yeah. you don't feel like if you didn't get it, you're, there's nothing, you can't go home. You can't get back in the van and go home unless you've, uh, unless you have it. And if you don't have it, you're eternally screwed. And it, it so does, that's where a lot of the anxiety percolates, I think. It does fuck with your mind, though, because I've had many a night where I'm like, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I fucked up. Didn't get it. And then, you know, a few months go by and I'm finally watching the bit in the um, editing bay and I'm like, oh, no, I totally got it. I just my face was down because I was whatever the scenario, getting butt fucked by a gorilla, let's say. Um, and I didn't see the reaction. <laughs> that, you know, that didn't used to be a common example people threw out. That didn't used to be. <laughs> I, remember, I remember there was a prank I did for the Eric Andre show where I, I was in the streets of New York, like in Union Square or, or downtown somewhere, like handing out samples of like, um, like oat milk smoothies or something like that in little like sample cups on a little street stand. And then I revealed that I had this like pendulous male breast <laughs> that would squirt um, like uh, breast milk into the smoothie. And then I would continue handing it to the people who were pranking. And 
people were shocked, but I didn't, I went home so frustrated. I remember being so angry because I was like, I didn't get a single good reaction. And then months later when I saw the edit, I was like, oh, I just thought I wasn't getting good reactions because when people were reacting, I was so like tied down by this like man boob prosthetic <laughs> that my head was down and I was so just focused on getting my action right that their best reactions were happening when I was just looking down. So it can fuck with you sometimes where sometimes you think you don't got it and you got the best thing ever and vice versa where you're like, dude, that's going to be the best prank. Oh my God, we got great reactions. We nailed it. And then you just watch it in the editing bay and it's just kind of lukewarm yes, or it takes yes. too long to get. So, so really a comedy constantly fucks with your head, stand up to everything. It's like the joke you think like, here it is. This is my home run closer. The audience is like, huh? I, like, I don't get your Propecia reference or whatever the thing, is. you know, or, right. or, or whatever your, you know, what you think is a common reference is an obscure reference or whatever the issue is. Or, or sometimes this little throwaway dumb idea becomes like the biggest hit of the show or the movie or your set. So comedy fucks with your head. It fucks with my head all the time. I'm always surprised by the audience. That is the the one th- conclusion I've come to after I got started in 85. So it's just, I can't even count how long that is anymore. But 36 years. Is it? Yeah. It's like, okay. I, 30, <laughs> you didn't like, you didn't like me. No, I didn't that. like it. Good thing I started when I was eight. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go into comedy now. You're eight years old. I begin now, I tell you. Uh, yeah, it's, you it's, rip your scantron in half, break yeah, your number two, number two pencil over your knee. <laughs> but, the, but, but the one thing I've learned is you never know. You ju- and that is the part know. you can be, you know, getting ready to like for a biggest deal, and you don't know which joke is gonna. You can be performing in front of a president, and you don't. You've thought about it and thought about it and thought about it, and you don't know which jokes are going to work and which ones aren't, and you won't until that moment comes. And then yeah. you, you uh, and it's the same thing with shooting out in the field. You just don't know, and there are times where you think, there are times where I'm sure, oh my God, that thing where, uh, you know, we get back, we get back from the field and we've shot something or we've been on a travel show, and then I've said, oh my God, I can't wait to see you guys cut together that thing where I'm in the noodle hut. When I'm in the noodle hut, that just gets really crazy. I don't even know what a noodle hut is, by the way. <laughs> but when I'm in the noodle I'm hut. I'm hungry. Yeah. I mean, whatever it is, I'm eating it. You know what I mean? And I'm like, when we're in the noodle hut, and man, that thing, I can't wait to you guys. And then later on, they're showing me stuff, and there's a lot of good stuff. And I go, where's the noodle hut? And they go, yeah, yeah. Didn't, didn't cut. Didn't come together. And then I'll say like, you're, you're kidding. That was absolutely the funniest thing I've ever done. Show it to me. And they'll show yeah. it to me and immediately, oh, no, yeah. it's not there. Now, I'm supposed to be an expert. You're supposed to be an expert. I know. We don't know. We just don't, we don't know. know. We don't know. We have a it's hunch, yeah. but we don't know. Yeah, the worst is when you're like kind of cocky about it with your editor and your editor's like, I'm telling you the noodle hut doesn't work. And you're like, Luke, trust me. I, I just yes. c- c- just cut just show me the cut. And he's like, all right, man. <laughs> like I've been in that conversation with my editors <laughs> so often. And I'm just like, at the end, they press pause, you know, they're done showing you the cut, and you're like, Well, you know, I mean, uh, you were fucking right. They do that, <laughs> just, they do that, they always have a swivel chair and they do that cocky <laughs> swivel in the chair. So they show it to you, and then you're like 
well, I'm leaving this noodle hut and cut. And then, it's always a little squeaky and they look at you and you go, yeah, okay. Okay. You know, I, I think it's better than you said it was, but yeah, maybe it's not going in the show. Maybe it's not going to go in it. The, then they turn back. I'm like, you could oil the fucking chair. You're just doing that. Uh, yeah, they're always they're they're always right. It's so frustrating. They're always fucking right. You're like, God damn it. You know what um, I realized? I realized that you have an unfair advantage because I was thinking about this. I didn't know this that your mom. I may have known this once, but I forgot about it. But your mom's uh, is this right? She's Ashkenazi Jewish, mm-hmm. and your dad's an Afro Haitian immigrant. And I was mm-hmm. thinking, wait, Jewish, black. Those are two of the maybe three best comedy genes or four. You know what I mean? That's just not, totally. that's not fair. Totally. <laughs> that's, I mean, I've got the Irish thing and we, okay, the Irish, they have a good comedy gene, but I'm a hundred percent just that. You've got mm-hmm. this insane superhero mix of powers in comedy, <laughs> which feels unfair to me, frankly. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, just being Sammy Davis Jr. Just <laughs> lucked, lucked out. <laughs> I think he converted. I don't think. No. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, different. Right. That's yeah, different. That's different. I've that's converted different. to Judaism many times and it has not, <laughs> I'm not getting, I'm not getting that, uh, that sweet superpower that all my yeah. Jewish friends have. Uh, yeah. Well, that sweet superpower is called anxiety and depression. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Eric. I just wanted to end on that, uh, on that note. Well, you know what? I, I don't want to keep you any longer because you have been uh, so gracious with your time let me end where I started, which is you've always been a uh, a great uh, champion of silliness and of goodwill. And then for you to put all that magic into this movie, and I know it's been a seven-year struggle, but to put all that together and then to pull it off uh, with such aplomb really makes me happy. Really Thanks, does. Thanks, man. Thank you. That is high praise. And I'm, I'm such a fan and I grew up watching you so it's 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 an honor to hear well, those words like well you just basically you know that was your way of putting it in there again how old i am <laughs> <laughs> when i was six and you were eight and you were on television <laughs> Conan, when I, I remembered when i was seven and you were 60 and i was watching you and you were just hitting it out of the park <laughs> You, and I you knew were that 29 on late night. Yeah. Like you were, I, I would just for shits, like watched an old, like season one of you. And you look like, like you just had your sweet 16. <laughs> oh, like, Hey, so, uh, I got a licorice whip the other day. From the <laughs> you like, you have a Charleston chew in your pocket and you're like, Hey, you're like biting on a shiny quarter. No, no, I'm, I'm telling you, if anyone wants to know what would it be like, uh, if, uh, an 11 year old girl from the depression was given a TV show, go back and look at any of my shows from 1993. And that's exactly what it looks like. Cause it's, <laughs> how, how did you convince NBC to oh, take a chance we on have, you at that youth? At they, that, that, like, like, and what, Meeting, did you go? It's gonna be me, baby. Like, I would have loved you just stood up. You're like, in my 29 years on this earth, in my three years in show business, I'll tell you, Letterman's out, I'm in, baby. Look, Letterman's had his time and now it's mine. Wait, how did you get in here? You're supposed to just, you're supposed to leave the sandwich order, take the tip, and go. No, he's out 
didn't see. Did uh, you just corner Lauren Michaels? Oh, and it's a like, whole and like. A bunch of executives. Did you just corner several executives and you were like, come on, Buster Brown. You know, I know what the kid's like. <laughs> I will tell you this. I will someday have to tell that whole story because it's a crazy story. I will tell you that you'd think now, uh, uh, almost three decades later, that I would look back on it and say, no, that made sense. It doesn't. None of it makes sense. Um, but- you know, it, the plan worked. The it plan was out. always for me to get the podcast. And so <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Hey, Eric, uh, just all my uh, insane uh, love and gratitude for what you're putting out there. I mean that. Thanks, buddy. And uh, please that. Uh, keep doing more of that. We need it. We really do need it. Sounds good. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Eric, uh, go eat some sausage. Sounds good. That's not a euphemism. That uh, they were making sausage. I yeah. will suckle a sausage. Okay, well, now that's not a you. That's not a you. That's how I eat sausage. Yeah. That's not a euphemism. I can't wait to ram a sausage in and out of my mouth many times until the juices shoot out. That's just the way I eat sausage. Can't a man have a literal conversation Can about sausage? Can a guy sausage? talk about how he loves to lick a sausage? Jam it in and out of his mouth until it explodes without people getting all fucking weird. All right, Eric, go do more good things and relax. And thank you. That was great. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for doing it. it. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT. Now ADT professionally installs Google Nest products so your home is safe. And smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security systems from virtually anywhere. Google Nest Cams can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. You can know that there's a package out there. I know. And not a person. You don't have to that do helps. anything. Yeah, sometimes a person rings the doorbell and I think it's a package. Anyway, <laughs> and with Nest Aware as part of your monthly ADT service, you can get 30 days of event video history, even smarter notifications, like when a familiar or unfamiliar face is seen. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just a tap. Mm. I'm always setting off alarms accidentally. This is helpful for me. Oh, good. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, you got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are trademarks of Google LLC. On the way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. Yeah. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. 
Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. Well, I have some exciting news, which is uh, this is all happening in real time. It is now 12.30 in the afternoon. At 7.30 this morning, I got my second Moderna shot. My body is uh, now pulsating with, uh, with the second Moderna shot. It is coursing through my veins as I speak. And so this is kind of an experiment in real time. Uh, the shot didn't hurt at all. Got the, my first shot a month ago. Today was the day. Sona, you were kind enough to come with me. Yep. You took it like a champ. Thank you. And they, they told me you might not feel well later today uh, or maybe tomorrow. That That's common. But I'm deciding that my mind is going to defeat this. Mm. It's mind over matter. I'm just deciding right now that I have a very powerful mind and a correspondingly weak body. So what I'm going to do is my mind is going to say, no, no, I'm not getting anything. Nothing's, I will have no side effects. I'm just not interested. Not going to happen. Do you feel anything yet? Like even a pain in the arm? No, no, I don't feel, I mean, there's a slight, there's a slight pain at the site, but I'm going to will that away. That's not happening. Have you um, ever done this mind over matter thing before? Or is this no. the first time? Oh, okay. This is the first time. Oh, that's wow, not that's true. That's not true. I was once, I have a pretty strong will. Would you say that's true, Sona? You do, yeah. And I, uh, when I'm, there have been times where I've been sick and I had to perform and I just decide I'm not sick. And then I have a pretty good time performing and then I get even sicker when I'm, <laughs> when I'm off stage. Yeah, that's true. And once uh, I was visiting uh, my wife's family in Seattle, this is like eight years ago, and a car filled with her friends backed over my left foot. <laughs> oh my God. And like her friends are big <laughs> adult males and they were in a car and it backed over my left foot and I felt a horrible pain and looked down and my foot didn't look right. <laughs> and it was it turned crazy black and blue and my wife was like, I think you broke your foot. And I just said, no, no, let's not talk about it. Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. And then I never went and got it checked out. And- uh, What happened? My mind, Sona, I just decided I'm not going down that road. We're wow. not going to the hospital. I'm not getting an x-ray. I'm not having them set the bone. It's not going to happen. But There's no time for this shit, is what I said. No, but that's not how science works. Like I know, and my father is a scientist. Broken, yeah. I know. It doesn't make any sense, but I remembered I don't want this to have happened. Why did you even get the vaccine then? Why not just willpower away COVID? Hey. Well, I think that's spreading an irresponsible message. Okay. Oh. Okay, Matt, I'm sorry, but I'm a believer in vaccinations. Hey, uh, man, I'm fully vaxxed. Look, that's, you've just raised a really good question. Why didn't I just will myself not to get COVID? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that, that, you just completely took apart my whole riff. I yeah. got nothing now. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, that was, that was, sick. you know what that was? That was strategic. I had a whole <laughs> cocky riff going. And then uh, now you're like, yeah, you're right. 
I'm probably, now I'm going to get really sick. Really big side effects from the uh, second is, Moderna. Is uh, your foot permanently damaged? No, there's no damage to my foot because the accident didn't happen. That's oh, how mind over did. matter works. No, it didn't. It didn't happen. You know when Wile E. Coyote is chasing the Roadrunner and the Roadrunner stops and Wile E. Coyote keeps running off the cliff and then he stands there for a long time? When does he fall? When he looks down. When he looks down. Yeah. He's a great role model. I see where this is going. Yes, he is a great role model because he is, I mean, first of all, people say, oh, poor coyote. I see a guy who's joyous. Uh, I love the coyote because- (laughs) Me too. He always knows what his purpose is. Always. Think of all the calories that the the coyote is burning chasing. Yeah, he's yoked. The roadrunner. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, that's not my, my point isn't that he's yoked. My point is that- it's so calorie inefficient to chase the roadrunner. <laughs> but that's one of those things that I, uh, you know, I, uh, I don't understand. I, 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 I just fundamentally don't understand. As a kid, that bothered me. Yeah, I get where's, it. Where's he getting the money? And are, are you able to enjoy any entertainment? <sighs> I like crime. I like true crime. <laughs> oh, my God. I like true crime. To yeah. enjoy it? I mean- I, I, I do. Have, I have a hard time sometimes with comedy because I spend a lot of time thinking about it, that mm-hmm. it becomes what they call a busman's holiday, you know? What? Um, I've never heard that. You haven't heard that? You heard that phrase, haven't you, Matt? Has no. anyone heard that phrase? Okay, busman's holiday used to be, I think that phrase comes from like the 1930s or 40s when people would get on a bus and take a nice trip around the country. And then you wonder, what does the busman do on his holiday? Oh, I see. And so it's called a busman's holiday. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, see, so I, as someone who thinks about comedy all the time, if I'm watching, um, I might not relax watching a late night talk show because I go, oh yeah, they're doing old number 45B, you know? Oh, now yeah. he's doing number 27J. And I'm sure if they you think- like, if Sona, if you went on a vacation to an assistance convention. Yeah. What an awful vacation <laughs> that would be. Oh my God. Let's talk about schedules. Let's talk about uh, getting your boss coffee Oh, come on. What do you on. do when it's lukewarm? What do you, uh, how many Splendas how do, does your boss take in his coffee? I wasn't too finicky about food and stuff, was I? Listen, no, here's what would happen. <laughs> I would heat up your food, I would take it to you, and then you'd be like, this isn't hot enough. And so I would have to take it back and heat it up. Same with your coffee. Like there was always this like, it's just not hot enough. But, really? Uh, Yes, I, uh, you, but you were not that, no, it wasn't annoying, but. No, but I like, uh, you know, I I think you're a bit of an undercooker. I know that you're not experienced wow. with a Wow, okay. No, right. just in general, I'm being honest. I'm being honest with you. You're someone who, as you have said, you didn't have much experience with a microwave. Yes. <laughs> and so you tended to hit the button, which probably did 30 seconds. I'm someone who hits it like seven times. I like my food to look like it just was rescued from the center of the sun. Do you know what I mean? Oh my God. Just pulsating with heat. During that segment, you said you heat up for two minutes. I was heating up your lunches for four minutes. Well, I keep was in mind, basically the, just Yes, and the microwave there. you were using was the first microwave ever built. It was circa 1975, and it was a NASA prototype. That's what you were using. You had to put on a beekeeper's outfit whenever you turned it on, <laughs> and you would fire up this thing, and yeah, you'd hit it for five minutes, and it would come out, and maybe it was one degree warmer than it was when you removed it from the freezer. So my point is, oh, you didn't have a good microwave, and you should have compensated. Okay. 
Well, that's good. You know what? There was one time when I was a, an RA at a summer program for for high school students, and one girl had never used a microphone, microwave before in her life, and she heated up in and out French fries for 10 minutes. Oh, my God. And oh. the smoke alarm went off, and the entire building had to evacuate. Wow. I think she was Quaker. <laughs> that's the way to end any story. <laughs> anything, anytime anything happens that is sort of just strange or weird, just go... I think he slash she was was Quaker. That's the way to <laughs> do so it. And so there's a hierarchy of cultures that use the microwave, and there's the last on the list is Armenian, except for Quakers. <laughs> so you're saying, so Armenians don't like microwaves, and you're saying Quakers because of their faith can't they can right? they can use like so like Amish or Mennonites would be in there too. Yeah. Yes, we so, well they can use the Amish can use a uh, a microwave if it's made of wood. Yeah, if it's a wooden okay. microwave and all wooden components, which is it's still achievable, but it tends to burst into flames. <laughs> the other day, true stories. You know those Yeti coffee containers. Yeah. yeah. Someone gave me one of those Yeti things because I when I drive around, I like to drink coffee and it keeps it nice and hot. And I had some coffee in one and it was getting cold. So I went to put it in the microwave. It's metal. Oh. Yeah. So what I did was I just opened the microwave. I put it in. I slammed it shut. I pressed, oh, you no. know, 30 seconds. Oh, no. And the thing lit up and just started to go, mm, and one neuron in my brain went, no! And so it did one second and I reached over and ripped open the thing and pulled it out just before, I don't know what happened, was going to happen. I think if, I mean, again, I'm going to reference the movie Weird Science. Oh. I think I would have gone back in time okay. and had sex with Kelly LeBrock. But huh? that aside, uh, I don't know. That was, we it was weird. It, it was- would have been an explosion. I literally said out loud, No! And opened it up, because I guess, I don't know what happens, but if you microwave metal, it's bad, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. I even know that. Here's the thing. you See, you, you've become so dependent on the microwave that you're like, let me put this in there without even thinking about what it is, and your entire house could have burned down. That's you're all. Right. Maybe. Maybe I am too dependent on the microwave. You owe me an apology. Before I mail out a letter, I microwave it for 30 seconds. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing things with the microwave now that aren't necessary. Before I take a Tylenol, I microwave it for 15 seconds. Because okay. I think it's going to just make things happen faster once it gets in my body, if it's slightly warm. <laughs> Mind over matter. Yeah. Anyway, this was a great PSA for vaccinations. <laughs> uh, what you know, happened? You know what we should do? This we should get so it out stupid. there. If an idiot like me is getting vaccinated, that's a sign <laughs> that everyone should get vaccinated. That's how common sense it is to get vaccinated. Seriously, get vaccinated. I can't say that enough. That's that I'm very serious about. I just had my second shot. Still feeling nothing because mind over matter. Conan O'Brien needs a friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Becton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been... 
a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real, but Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, 0 to 2 grams net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O dot C-O.